welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And now it's my pleasure to welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, Danny Cannell. Danny, uh, I, I love our Wednesday morning chats because we, you are uh, one of the premier college football rankers out in, uh, in the media world. Uh, I love your take on the way that you put these teams against each other, and we get to talk on Wednesday mornings after the college football playoff rankings are released. Uh, what was your initial reaction to last night's reveal? Of course, you know, as we sit here with two regular season weeks and then conference championship week away from getting the final four announced. I don't think it was too uh, surprising. I pretty much had the same six teams in the top six, and I was really just curious to what order they would put them in. I think it caught some uh, – it turned some heads when Clemson was at two – but I think there's a couple things that are working for Clemson, why they stayed or why they moved up to two. One, I think the Auburn win that they had to get at home looks that much better. The other thing is I think the committee looks at this uh, loss in the loss column for Clemson and kind of doesn't look at it. They see Kelly Bryant was playing hurt in that game, was knocked out in the second quarter, didn't play the half. And so the committee views Clemson almost like a pseudo undefeated team. That's what it says to me. And then having Miami next and Oklahoma – not a really a big problem with that. I thought there might have been a chance that Wisconsin could have gotten in the top four, having added Iowa to their resume and especially what Iowa had done uh, to Ohio State just the week before. But ultimately, I look at the six, the top six they have, and I'm like, I don't have a problem with it. I can see their reasoning for uh, for each team where they're slotted. Is there a is it? Um... Is it bad for us to go week by week and look at the selection committee? Because I, you know, on one, on in, in some ways, I feel like I just end up chasing my tail because there's a part of me, the the pragmatic, the practical side, just says, okay, well, let's not wring our hands over whether Clemson is on top of Miami or where Oklahoma is because these things will play themselves out. Just sort of from a, a big picture, uh, do you think that the the ra- weekly rankings update and release does it does it have us just uh, just running back to our favorite you know workplaces sports bars or obviously here on the podcast like is it only well, to fuel debate or do you think that we can learn something from the way that they're ranking these teams each week? Oh, I learned in the first year when I think it was they had a couple extra weeks too. They started the show early. I learned for certain there was one certainty that I would never know what they were thinking. <laughs> that was that was the one thing I learned because they they do it's a moving target that if you're trying to figure out their exact criteria, I think the fact that there are 13 people in a room and that there are several people that roll over each year, I think it's impossible to truly figure out the things that they value in that room. And I think even more so, I think they're human, so they might value uh, one win. I think there is definitely a recency bias that's in there. They might value a win that they just saw more than a win that occurred in week two or three, like Oklahoma's win against Ohio State. Why isn't that, you know, one of the more impressive wins in the country? Um, you know, the fact that, that was on the road and that Miami's win against Notre Dame, while it was super impressive, that was in home. Um, so I think there's just there's different things that you can try to figure out, but ultimately, I think you would drive yourself nuts if you tried to pin down exactly what they were going to do every week. Or how about this one? They keep on talking about 
the the Clemson loss to Syracuse wasn't as bad because Clemson was playing with a backup quarterback. Their their starter got injured, but wasn't Auburn in week two against Clemson playing with a brand new quarterback and a new system and and right. find their way to like they they can sort of pick and choose these spots to to defend their hunches. I feels like and when the reality is like you could you could distort that to fit your narrative in any sense. Yeah, and if all else fails, just go with eye test. Like that's what you can do ultimately. Cuz I do feel like if you're a championship level team, I think you should be able to lose your quarterback and survive. I mean, shoot, look at what Ohio State did when they were on their third quarterback and won a national championship. Now that's not going to happen all the time. And if Oklahoma lost Baker Mayfield, they would be a completely different looking team. But Against Syracuse, you've got to find a way to win. Like, where's the defense that's supposed to be dominant? How come they were getting rolled up on? And I, I can, I can totally see it both ways. Like, ultimately, yes, you want the best teams. And I think once again, I kind of feel like it's gonna work itself out, and the committee's gonna have a pretty easy road once they start looking the again. Champions, yeah. But I mean. Doing, you guys know this, being on Twitter, being on social media, people love the conversation. And as a player, it would drive me nuts because I would want to say, hey, all I want to know is can I win and we're in. When yeah. it kind of is not that way right now, especially if you're playing the Pac-12 right now. You're thinking, hey, if you're USC or if you're uh, Washington State or if you're Washington, you've got two losses. You're thinking, I need a ton of help and I, I don't know if winning out is enough. Mm-hmm. So after this weekend we saw the number one team get blown out by auburn we saw the number three team get blown out by miami we saw the number two team barely beat mississippi state so forget about the rankings forget about deserve resume i'm curious now that we've got this sort of new perspective on on the landscape right now who do you think is the best team in the country like who is the team that's line up on a neutral field you would pick over everybody else because in the past, it's always been, you know, who can upset Alabama? Can someone take down Alabama or, or Clemson? Um, you know, is, is anybody going to sp- beat Florida State? It doesn't. This is the first year in a while, it seems like to me, where it doesn't feel like it's just everybody trying to take down the favorite. It feels like Alabama is mortal enough and, and there's enough other teams that are close that there's a real conversation we can have about who do you really think is the best team out there? And it's a good year for the playoff. Oh yeah, no, it's a great year for the playoff because there will be there'll be four teams and it'll be that's not going to change much. I still think it'll be who the heck's going to win this thing. So I like to put it in this terms: like if you had a hundred bucks, if I had a hundred bucks, which one team can I put it on? And it can't be a dollar; it's got to be something that has meaning. So a hundred bucks, people get that picture, right? Yeah. So I have a really tough time between two teams that I would pick right now. It would be Oklahoma and it would be Auburn. Auburn, I think, is very interesting because I think you can look at it neutral site, but half the battle of getting there is winning out. And I think Auburn, and this is why, so full disclosure, and I think I've told you this, guys, before, I get very stubborn with my preseason picks, and I root for them, and I want to be right on them, so maybe this is part of that. But Auburn, one of the reasons I picked them in the preseason was because they played Georgia at home and because the Iron Bowl was at home. That is a big deal. I think it's really tough to win on the road, which Alabama just showed us winning in Starkville. They're clearly the more talented team, but playing in that atmosphere is really tough. It's tough for any team to travel. Ask Notre Dame how it is to travel to Miami, because I don't think they're that much worse than Miami. But once it starts snowballing on the road, things can go downhill in a hurry. So Auburn, I love the fact they're playing Alabama and they're playing at home, but I also... 
So I think I've given you guys the formula to beat Alabama, which I think Auburn has. They go up-tempo. They, they've run a lot of misdirection. They've got dynamic athletes on both sides of the ball. They've got a defense, which I think matches up really well for Alabama's offense. The one thing I don't know about, but he's starting to give me hope, is Jarrett Stidham. You have to have a dynamic playmaker at the quarterback position. They've been able to get guys open for him, and he's made some good, good decisions. But if they don't protect him like they did against LSU in the second half and like they did against Clemson, they'll get beat. But it is a huge advantage to have that game at home where the offense should be timed up pretty nice. There's not communication issues. They should be able to move the ball on Alabama's defense, especially how uh, banged up they are. And I'm still not sold on Alabama uh, offensively. Anytime they've needed a play in Jalen Hurts' tenure, they have had him run the fo- It's usually a big run that he comes up with. Now, he had a couple big throws in the final drive of that game against Mississippi State. but And I thought Mississippi State actually had an outstanding game plan. And Todd yep. Grant was like, screw it. We're going to blitz. We're sending guys. I love that philosophy. And they got him five sacks. They just had a couple breakdowns late. And also, if you don't get to him, you can bat the ball down, which they had some success with. So I, I think Alabama's beatable. Um, and so as I rambled and waxed poetic about Auburn, the other team I think is Oklahoma, and it's, it's all because of Baker Mayfield. Like, I love watching him play. I think he's the best player in college football playing with the best talent around him on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I love the way he's playing, and I like Oklahoma a lot too. Yeah, there's an element too where, I mean, whether it's Jameis Winston with Florida State or Cam Newton with Auburn, it, if you've got the best player in the country – you've got a pretty good shot at, at winning the national championship. And, and I think at this point, there's, there's no question Baker Mayfield is the best player in college football. And, and he might just be that good to where it doesn't really matter what else is out there. He's just going to find a way to win. Here's the problem. Like, I've, I've thought this in my mind. I'm like, man, I would love to see Baker Mayfield in this Oklahoma offense versus Alabama's defense. You know what I wouldn't love? This Alabama's offense versus Oklahoma's defense, because you might never see Baker Mayfield. I think they would methodically take off so much time off the clock that Baker Mayfield and his, and his offense would have a hard time finding their rhythm if they got many opportunities at all. Those those possessions would get limited in a hurry versus Alabama. I just I I, I feel like we're at this spot right now where I'm I, I'm rooting as a college football fan because of what Oklahoma looks like right now and knowing how good Baker Mayfield is playing I'm just I'm just rooting as a college football fan that we'll get to see him in the college football playoff and I'm already terrified of the what I mean West Virginia at the end of the season that's not that is nothing that you can just shrug off and then having to beat uh, either TCU or Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game trying to avoid that Nebraska Colorado Big 12 situation I just do do you think that Oklahoma is going to be able to put itself in the position to get to where everyone wants to see Baker Mayfield and this high-flying offense. Because in terms of, you know, competition, excitement, like, that's it. Like, Oklahoma in the college football playoff against some combination of Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Clemson, Miami, uh, and maybe even a Wisconsin. Like, that's that's it. How about Ohio State? I would love to see that. Not because I want Ohio State. I don't think they would deserve to be in there. I think they need some help. But the ultimate storyline would be him having a rematch after he planted the flag after oh. their game. I, that's the only reason I would love to see that matchup happen again. Because I don't want to see Ohio State in the playoff one more time uh, in a year where they got a pass like they did last year. But I'm with you. I I do feel like, and I, I talked to uh, 
Maria Taylor for um, College Game Day, and she's you know ABC's primetime sideline reporter. I talked to her this weekend when I was in Miami, and I was asking her about Baker, Baker Mayfield if she spent much time with him. And she was like, yes. And she told me some things about him that I was kind of surprised about. She said he's really buttoned up. Like he comes in very structured. She said he writes seven things down in his locker that he wants to accomplish every day. Like, and I pictured him more of the Manziel kind of wild card, like, hey, I'll be late to meetings and all that. But it's not. He's not that way, which I think prevents me. I think it, and hopefully it prevents Oklahoma from getting short sighted or from, you know, not uh, having an upset as they lead their way into the playoffs. I think he's very focused and really wants to do something special with this Oklahoma team. Now, the defense terrifies me more than anything with Oklahoma, but I do feel like this is the best team in the Big 12. And that that will show itself as they come to the finish. Baker Mayfield's a grown ass man. Yes, he is. Like I was talking, uh, Ruffin McNeil, the assistant head coach to Lincoln Riley, uh, was on the radio here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Former ECU coach, so he's still got a bunch of fans in the area. And that was like one of the first things that he was describing about Baker Mayfield is he's old. Like he has been through this a lot. Like he, this is a point where you know, at his point in his maturity, he can handle this like business and and you know what you just described only adds credence to that i just i i hope we get to see it man because no one like like you like you've said uh on sec live on the radio and on this podcast before there's nobody in the country that's playing better football than baker mayfield you know what terrified you know who i'm genuinely scared for who is mark (laughs) because miami mark richt and the miami hurricanes because I'm all in. Trust me, I'm all in on the U is back. I did not see that coming. I saw the speed that you haven't seen at Miami in some time. I think they've got enough with Travis Homer, who has filled in. Like, uh, who's remember Mark Walton? Remember that dude? Like, nobody remembers him because of the way uh, Homer's running the ball in the backfield. But I am terrified that this team, who has played down to the competition for a lot of their season, stumbles against Virginia Pitt. or at Pitt. I, <laughs> telling you the pit game after thanksgiving it's going to be cold it's probably going to be dreary how are those south florida kids going to travel up to pittsburgh and neither of those teams like miami significantly more talented they should win those games but i am terrified that they'll go in and not take them as seriously as they should uh especially they've clinched there everybody's telling them hey you're playing in the acc championship game the first time you've you've been in the conference you're getting to play for it they've clinched i really hope they don't have a letdown and i I want to see them go. I want to see them play Clemson in the ACC championship game, but I am terrified for them. So you're, you're kind of an, an SEC truther, and I am, <laughs> I, <laughs> I am of the – like. I think there's very real, like not just sort of um, hypotheticals, but like real scenarios that could see the SEC with two teams. Do you even like? Is are you on the board like where you even think that that should be? No. Just so you know, because I just so you know fully where I stand, because that drives me nuts that we have this conversation every year. We had it before Georgia lost, and I do hear you. I could see where there would be a case to have it, where, and I don't even think you need that much craziness to happen. But if if Georgia plays Alabama and Georgia wins and Alabama beats Auburn and they're undefeated, that will be a consideration that the committee will make. And I don't even think that much crazy has to happen, um, you know, other than uh, Alabama beating Auburn, which is they'll probably be favored in that game. So, But here's my official thoughts on because I think SEC fans, anytime I get irritated by that conversation, 
they think it's me being upset at the SEC. I don't want anybody would have two teams from the same conference. I don't want Miami and Clemson to get in together. Like if, if those teams run the table and it's a close game, I don't want to see two teams from the Big Ten if Wisconsin loses in a tight game to whoever, you know, to, to Ohio State uh, in the Big Ten championship game. I just would rather see representation from conferences across the country than two teams in the same conference. I don't think there's any conference that's so supreme that they would that their schedule would would um, would dictate that you would have two teams from that conference. That's why I wish it was a mandate that you had to be conference champs. And if you're if you're one of the best four teams in the country, it would only be because of the eye test because we think so. And that drives me nuts. Prove it. If you're the best team, win your conference. I think I agree with that. I mean, I think that's fair. And I, it might I, be like if they, they might win out. And if Alabama might have an incredible season and they might lose in a nail biter. But if you were one of the best four, why didn't you beat? Why didn't you win it? You know, like if you're if everybody else has to win on that stage. I and the thing that the, the like I was always taught as a kid. And anytime you got to the playoffs, it was win in advance, win in advance. It would drive me nuts if you had a situation where it was lose and, okay, you can still advance. Like, that to me drives me insane. And you're consistent because you were on the Penn State train last year, right? Right. Oh, yeah. I, that drove me nuts. I thought Penn – and that one was even more egregious because Penn State beat them in the head-to-head. Like, that was the one where I thought it was uh, just a, a flippant, you know, hey, we don't care what happens in the regular season we're going to put the best looking brand in there, which I didn't love. Yeah. I, I think that that broke. I think that when I saw that last year, that broke the dream of a, of a perfect system for me. Yeah. Well, that's why I think eight teams is the perfect system because then you could have five conference champs. Now there could be a scenario if you went to eight where you could have a loser in, which I, I, that would bother me again, but it wouldn't bother me as much. And I think you would, I think you'd see people really trying to schedule. That's where I think, the schedule, the scheduling, I think, is going to get interesting because what did Florida State gain from from playing Alabama? Like it cost them their season. Like they were, dem- they lost their quarterback, they lost the game, and it it, it derailed their season when they lost them. You know, like isn't the fact that Clemson scheduled Auburn the the, the exact reason that a Syracuse loss hasn't knocked them out of the top four? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that that definitely has to do with it. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Ohio State, like if Ohio State is a two-loss Big Ten champ and they lost to Oklahoma at home, like there's cases you could make it both ways. But I think if you had automatic bids for the five conference champs, I think teams would be more likely to take the risk and to schedule tougher opponents saying, all right, if those three wild card spots are rewarded from truly having the schedule out there, then maybe we'll go do that. Well, speaking of oh, going it would give an opportunity for a team like UCF who is – they're talented. I saw them in person versus I saw them in person versus uh, Maryland, and I don't have a problem with them being left out in the current system with four teams because it is a different conference. But why not give them an eight seed? And let them have a chance at the one seed. Like they could play with anybody. They're they're talented, uh, and across the board, their defensive front is is stacked. For now, as until Scott Frost leaves. Um, yeah. Right? Yes. Um, as we as you mentioned, strength of schedule. Where are you at with Wisconsin right now? So Wisconsin for me was never in doubt. If they win the Big Ten, they're in. If they're if they're undefeated and win the Big Ten, they're in. I think their schedule is going to gradually increase. I think it did with the win against Iowa. I think it will. See, I don't think they're going to beat Michigan. I don't know how you guys feel. I think Michigan is the team that beats them. Uh, but then if they win on the road at Minnesota and beat the Big uh, and the and win the Big Ten championship, 
I don't have a problem with them being in at all. I feel like we see these cycles that go through college football, and I feel like if you had the advantage, like a Wisconsin, where if your division is down, then take advantage of it. Make the most of it. You can't penalize a team because their division was down. Otherwise, why weren't we crushing Georgia and saying the same thing about them? And they had their cross-divisional you know, divisional game where they got to play Auburn, which they lost. But the, the same thing could be said about Georgia when you look up and down at their schedule. And Wisconsin gets crushed for the strength of schedule. BYU, when they scheduled that game, was a perennially good team. Like, it wasn't... Now, is it, it can't, you can't blame them because BYU's been awful this year. Like, so that's my thing with it. Like, you can't penalize teams for their schedule being light when a lot of it was out of their control. I, I agree with that. Like, it's just almost as if... Um, now, that margin of error is different. They have to go... They have to have a zero in the loss column. You know, if, they're, if they lose... If they lose to Michigan, they're done for me. Like, that, that's it. And you think um, they could. That's, like, also, like, how much do you believe in Wisconsin? I don't. I think I think the loss of Cephas is going to hurt them. Although their pass game was not really, you know, the reason they're winning. It's been their defense, and it's been Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they're strapped at quarterback with Alex Hornibrook. He's he's okay, but he's he's not going to win many games for you, and he might lose some for you. Um, I think they're. I mean, they have the number one defense in the country statistically. When you look at total defense, they're a good football team for me. And I, I, if they got in, they might get blown out, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, like I say, give them a shot. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe they pull it together. Maybe their defense can force a few turnovers against, uh, like against them with Wisconsin or Wisconsin, Oklahoma. Let's put that as a potential playoff matchup. Who knows what could happen? Maybe they could get their run game going and they could do that game plan where they keep it away from Baker Mayfield. Maybe their defense can corral Baker Mayfield and hold them to, you know, 21 points. They're able to get a pick six in there. You just don't know. So I like I don't love them. I wouldn't pick them to beat anybody like outside of the top ten, maybe. But why would I penalize them for all they're doing is winning? Like I feel like that's the reason we play football is to win or lose. And if they're winning, why why dock them for that? And if they get in and if they play Oklahoma ten times and lose and get blown out by thirty points, seven of them. But if they can win three of those, then it's then it's worth it. Like as long as that team totally. Can- an upset or, or not even an upset but just win in a scenario then that may the fact that they're in there worth it so I, I actually agree with that as well I also think my prediction is that they, they handle Michigan win by double digits and then they lose next week to Minnesota oh, oh. oh. <laughs> flex wow that, I, I don't know what it is I don't know why I get so scared for these teams I don't know if it's because I feel like the new generation that attention span is so short but i get worried about those games too i'm with you i think we see more letdown games like we saw ohio state go on the road to iowa i think we're seeing more of those than ever before now maybe i'm crazy maybe it's just college football but i feel like we see more of those games teams that are way more talented lose and see upsets than ever before but yet but then i go back and think about it i'm like hey i when I was in Florida State, we won a national championship because Notre Dame lost to Boston College the week after us. So maybe maybe it's been happening for 20 years, and it just you know, it just seems like it's uh, more coverage of it now. Well, it, this is the thing that struck me about this season is home field advantage. Like, look at look at Mississippi State, what they can do against Alabama at home, and then what they do on the road against Georgia earlier in the year, or Ohio State going to. Iowa and getting beat by 21 and then to have a Michigan State at home and and lose and winning by 40. Uh, Notre Dame 
killing teams at home, and then they go to Miami and, and, and Miami blows them out. Like I, I just think this year, more so than I even remember, there's such a dramatic difference in home field advantage. And, and that's a big reason why, look, Wisconsin this year, they played Northwestern at home. They played Iowa at home. They're getting Michigan at home. And and next week they go on the road and got to play Minnesota with the, you know, with the conference championship already locked up. So that's part of my thing is like, I don't know if, if you guys can remember a year that there's been this dramatic a difference in like the way a team looks at home versus on the road. And I think probably part of that is just the parody this year. It's just a, it's just a more even playing field. Yeah. yeah there's no dominant, like dominant, great teams aren't flustered by that at all, but we don't have that. We don't have that in college football. And I, I include Alabama in that one. And clearly Clemson's not because they did lose on the road. So yeah, I think that's, that's the difference. There is a ton of parody because even now, I, you can go deep, pretty deep, probably all the way down to 13 or 14, down to Oklahoma State and Washington State, when you could say, put put your number one, Bama versus any of them, like Bama versus Oklahoma State, Bama versus TCU. Send Bama to Pullman at night. <laughs> right. Like, like, who, knows? who knows what would happen? Like, yeah. I, And I think it's great. I think that's why there will be probably more interest in this playoff than we've seen because of that. And, and even the conference championship weekends, which – I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but we've been really – the committee has. The committee's been really lucky because we've never had significant upsets in the championship games. And I think that's why you'll have a two-loss team in the playoff. I think you will see some of these championship games that will be major like shifters in the playoff picture because I think you will see some underdogs win because there aren't those dominant teams. So, Danny, I want to get off the playoffs for a second. You are um – probably as as dialed in to the Florida State and, and Jimbo Fisher and, and and maybe not I don't know if you've got uh, your sources helping you out or, or but at least you I think you at least know the psychology of, of Jimbo and there's all this buzz now that Texas A&M is going to make him their their top candidate or they're going to target him assuming they make a move on Kevin Sumlin do you think that that is a scenario and and this can be pure speculation, but do you think that's a scenario that Jimbo would entertain at this point? How do you – what was your thoughts, I guess, when, when that news started to trickle out? Well, it doesn't surprise me at all because Jimbo for the past three years you know, has been very popular as a head coach candidate slash topic, right? Whether it was Texas, LSU, yeah. other jobs, he's always been mentioned. Uh, I think he was close to LSU. I think that was really close to happening. Um, so I, I think Jimbo listens. Now, I think what's really interesting is, and maybe this is impartial, I don't think – now, Texas, I think you could make a case is a better job than, uh, than Florida State because they're in the Big 12. Uh, they have more resources. Like, it's Texas, right? And Florida State is Florida State, but Texas is a premier job in college football. I don't know if LSU or te- uh, Texas A&M I would put in that same position – so I think it's a bad move. And I think Jimbo's smart about where he goes and where he would go. And I, I know there's going to be a lot of money and they can back up the truck for him. But I think he might view that as a as a not a, a more desirable location. I think LSU, there are some personal ties there. The fact that he was there before, um, I think that would make that one made more sense where it was like, yeah, that could happen. But with Texas A&M, I don't think it's a better gig. So I, and I don't, I don't have any sources in Tallahassee. I don't. What drives me nuts is when any coach, and I'm sure, and it's not really Jimbo, but it's his agent. I get, I get really frustrated when, when schools, and administrations, and you know, uh, athletic directors and presidents get played by the agents just for a pay raise. 
that's where I would my advice would be if somebody wants to leave, let them go. And that's with Jimbo Fisher, like it has been ugly with the fan base. I mean, we all the picture of him yelling at the fan in the stands um, after their loss to NC State was that's resonates like that's in your mind and you remember that. And it, it's really easy to 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 see how fickle your fan base is, and it might make it more desirable to move on and say, hey, you know what, you guys you guys said you wanted me to make changes. You said you didn't you weren't happy with what's going on. We'll try it with somebody else then. And that's where I think that's the, the thing I don't know about Jimbo, where he is mentally with the Florida State fan base, because it's a tough place to play. Uh, and it's a tough place to coach because the fan base does have high expectations and they are tough to play for. It's a tough. I mean, Texas A&M. Histo- Who do you, his- do you think is better, Texas A&M or Florida State? I think I think Texas A&M's always been second fiddle. I think in the Big 12, they were second fiddle to Texas. And I think in the SEC West, you're always going to be looking up to Alabama and Auburn. And then depending on the year, LSU. I just I think you go or- from moving at the top of the conference to all of a sudden having to look up at somebody. And more importantly, you're not only looking up at LSU and Bama and uh, you're having to play them. <laughs> yeah. You know, at State, you're having to play Clemson and – Oh, if, if NC State has a good year, they might be tough. Or, you know, Miami, they've been back, and they're tough. But it's not the slate you'd have to face in the, uh, in the SEC West, that's for sure. So I mean, you, you talk about, like, the, the expectations with Florida State. That, what's crazy is the expectations are just as high at Texas A&M, only they haven't had the results to, to, to back it up. Like, they, they've got, what, two 10-win seasons in the last 20-plus years? With and- a— you know, with a Heisman Trophy winner playing quarterback, which had a lot to do with that, right? I mean, and you don't just find those quarterbacks sitting on the street. Uh, so I, that, that's the thing I think fan bases, and it's a really hard message to hear if you're a fan base and they don't like to hear it, but you have got to temper your expectations if you're Texas A&M or if you're Tennessee for that matter. Or if you're, like, I think every school does. And it, the problem is it all points to one person. It's Nick Saban. Like, it's his fault. And I still think his most impressive feat as a head coach is not the national championships that he's won, but it's the amount of coaches he's had fired because fan bases look and they say, why can't we have that? Why can't we have multiple national championships? Why can't we have our team ranked in the top five every single season? And we're talking about maybe the greatest coach in college football history, and every fan base says, we want that. But they're not out there. They're just not. Yes, if you're Texas A&M, if you're Florida, if you're Florida State, you should compete for a national championship probably once every five or six years, <laughs> you know, yeah. like to to the playoff. And you know what? You're probably going to have a lot of eight win seasons in between there. But if you're getting eight win seasons every year, like Texas A&M is, that means you're in the hunt. Like there's a lot of teams that are six and six that wish they had that opportunity. And there are some one or two possession games where if you flip those around, a kick goes your way or a dropped interception or a dropped touchdown pass goes your way. All of a sudden you're 10 and two. And then if, you know, like it's just, for me, it drives me nuts that every fan base thinks they should play for the national championship every single year. It's just not realistic. I also wonder if, as, as I look at this Florida State team who's got whatever it is, three wins or four wins, and, and you know, the, the shine is off Jimbo Fisher a little bit right now. I look at Florida State and I say there's probably a lot of coaches that can win a national title at Florida State. And I think Jimbo Fisher is a great coach, don't get me wrong. But there's probably, you can probably plug several coaches in and they can win a national title at Florida State. At Texas A&M, not that it's some, you know, not that it's Mississippi State or, you know, Vanderbilt or or something of that nature, but there's probably a lot fewer coaches you can plug in to win a national title there. I wonder, and I don't know if 
you know, I wonder if Jimbo Fisher's one of them. I don't know that it's like some no doubt. I don't know that it's like Nick Saban going over there where all of a sudden immediately you know, okay, this is that's the answer. I'm with you on that. I think so too. I think I mean, if he went on, I think it'd be really a fascinating, um, you know, experiment to see unfold. And I that's why I don't think they should move on to Texas A&M. But sometimes it's just it's time. And if you can't win over the fans, then you're probably better off going somewhere else and getting fired. Do you you think- know, I think this is this case. And I I would tend to agree with you on. I mean, I think I think Florida State is a unique place. I think you, I, I think you're probably downplaying a little bit the fact. You know the job that that Jimbo has done there, but he also had Jameis Winston. Like much like someone had Johnny Manziel, he had a dynamic player at quarterback when he won his national championship at Florida State. And I think if you look at the record without Jameis, I think it's a reflection of what meant more to the team. Oh, that thirteen team was so complete, though. That was one of the most dominant college football teams of all time. Timmy Jernigan was a wrecker on the defensive line. And to be clear, like. You know, maybe there's ten coaches that can win a national title at Florida State. Maybe there's four that can do it at Texas A&M. You know, like I guess there's just I think that there's a. I can't believe think, I'm coming around to the idea that this might happen. Y'all have I, talked me into it. I don't think it does, but I w- it wouldn't like in college football nowadays. Nothing would shock me. Nothing. You know, like we just see too many. We saw Jim McElwain get fired in a week. Yeah. You know, and I think it, it, we all thought he was on the hot seat, but for that to happen as quick as it did and the way it happened, no way. Like, I'll, I'll believe anything now in college football. All right, do you think Florida State's going to make going to extend the bowl streak? Uh, I do. I think Florida has thrown in the towel. I yeah. think Florida care less about playing football anymore. I think they're looking at the end of the tunnel and saying, man, who's our next coach going to be? What are we going to do? And as, as disappointing a year as it's been at Florida State, and I thought this actually would be Jimbo's toughest test as the head coach, I think he's done a pretty good job getting his players to buy in. You had the ugly game against Boston College, which it's kind of it is what it is. It was ugly, but they have been battling. Shoot, they almost knocked off Clemson on the road. They've been fighting hard. I think they're still they're still playing for something, and maybe it's just for Jimbo Fisher. That speaks volumes about their buy-in with him. And I think they'll get uh, Florida. I think they'll beat Florida on the road, even though it's in Gainesville. I think they're the better team. And then Louisiana Monroe, I do think they'll get that one. So yeah, I think the I think the bowl streak does extend. It better. I'm part of that thing, man. Got- <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about Tennessee? You know what's sad is there was a streak when I was playing. It was ten win seasons that we had. That thing went away too. But uh, at least you're playing for something, you know. Yeah. Uh, what about Tennessee? Is it John Gruden or bust? Right? Isn't that it? Isn't that the game we're uh, playing? <laughs> Uh, that's the groomers, right? Yeah, groomers. Hashtag groomers out there. Uh, I still don't buy it. I think he's got the best job in the world, making more money than he could make probably as a head coach of Tennessee. Why would he want to throw himself in? If he does, he doesn't know what he's getting into. <laughs> you well, know, that- like, I mean, and you can be detached from the SEC fan, you know, base, and especially Tennessee's fan base. I don't think he he's he'd know what he's getting into. And he's even intimated it. There's a great quote. I don't know where it came from, but him talking about being a college coach where he'd have you on probation because yep. there's too many rules. Like, I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Well, didn't you say, Barton, that you, the, what was it, the, the one thing that is keeping you holding out was just remembering the Jim Harbaugh process and how yeah, quickly it went down? Long, like, uh, up front, when, Jimbo, when Jim Harbaugh's name started coming out for Michigan, I was so dismissive of it. Like, it ain't going to be Harbaugh, so who else is it going to be? And so that, that is, like, 
I'm not going to totally dismiss it, but I would be shocked. I, that one would shock me. So if I, I and I'm going to contradict myself, I said nothing in college football would surprise me. That one would really would surprise me. It would make, and I, but I, I would root for it. Like, hey, I was a college <laughs> football fan. I would love to see it. I would love to see Chucky going nuts on the sidelines and see the the gifts that the SEC fans would come up with him going nuts on the sidelines and that orange. I would love to see it. Would you? Are you nervous? Are you nervous that uh, Florida's about to hire Chip Kelly and it's about to be? Uh, uh, Good night for uh, for a long time in that rivalry because Chip Kelly at Florida, yeah, good. yeah, he better hire somebody good to recruit for him because that's not something he <laughs> wants to get back into. But yeah, I again, I'm all for getting the big programs good again. Like it does. Like I'm actually, I'm happy for Miami. I'm I'm thrilled for the job that Mark Vick has done. And I think it, again, I think it would be great for college football to have Chip Kelly back in the mix. I would love it. So you guys think it's Chip Kelly? I think it's going to be I, Scott Frost. I just look. I'm just going by the buzz that's yeah. that's building right now around Chip. How Kelly. about Scott Strickland, the athletic director, has been great, trolling people on Twitter, like just just crushing rumors, like dispelling them as soon as they come out. He's out tweeting stuff. Like I love it, the fact that we have an athletic director who's paying attention to what's being said out there. So it's gonna be. There's you know we got people. We got the the private plane. A flight away. The flight tracker is up and going. They had a flight from Gainesville to Connecticut that everyone thought Strickland was on. Then Strickland shows up to speak to a class on campus. He's fooling them. I love it. The students are tweeting it out saying, I thought he was on the plane, but he's here in my (laughs) class. Like, it's fantastic. I love it. So my my hope is Kelly to Florida, because like you said, I think it'd just be fun to see him there. Uh, And then Frost to Nebraska, because I actually think that there's the more I've thought about it, the more I think that Nebraska can be really good in that system. I think you can recruit skill players to anywhere. You can find skill players. And, I mean, Chip Kelly proved it at Oregon. So I think that'd be fun to see him get to um, to Nebraska, maybe bring them back and, and get that program rolling again. Uh, maybe get Dan Mullen or someone to Tennessee. I don't know. They're, 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 if this thing hits right, college football could be in a good place next year. Oh, yeah. I think even if it doesn't hit right, college football is still going to be in a good place next year. The way it's going. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, he is Danny Cannell. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. Danny, uh, sorry we kept you a little bit long. This has been a ton of fun. I really enjoy uh, We enjoy rapping with you, and hopefully we can run it back next week. You got it, man. Have a good one. <laughs>